and welcome to Inclusionomics, a podcast that provides tools to all women who are challenged with finding or having access to positions of power. We help you navigate the path to being seen, being heard, and being included. Everyone is welcome here. It is an inclusion podcast after all, and we hope that you're here for all of that. Today, we're tackling the brain science behind our beliefs and how we form those beliefs, opinions, and stances. Most of us are unapologetically opinionated, and that's today's topic, and it's why we'll also be talking about the importance of distinguishing belief from fact or belief from reality. I'm Stacey Gordon of Rework Work, where as a diversity, inclusion, and career strategist, I strive to reduce bias in hiring and barriers to entry, and I spend a decent amount of time helping people make career transitions. And I'm Lisa Gates, leadership and storytelling coach and founder of Story Happens Here. I coach unapologetically ambitious women to own their story, control their narrative, and rise up. So there are facts and there are beliefs. A fact is a thing that's known to be consistent with objective reality. And let's say it can be proven to be true with evidence. So like a fact is two plus two equals four. A belief, on the other hand, is a state of, of a state or a habit of mind in which trust is placed in some person or a thing and it's accepted as true. So a belief is that in order to lose weight, you have to count calories or aliens built the pyramids. That's a belief. So the question is, what happens when we're having disagreements with someone who has a different opinion than us? A different opinion than us. Yes, that's a great question. And I know that you, you know, we started looking into this, looking at the science behind this. And um, I think, isn't there a USC study that exactly. talks about this? Yeah, yeah. So from the neuroscientists at the Brain and Creativity Institute at USC did this study where they brought in like 40 liberals and they um, presented them with factual information about political things and, and um, factual information about non-political things. And what they found was when they were given counter information about a political stand, say about guns or whatever, they held to their beliefs. Um, they, they varied very little. But for example, if they said um, Edison invented the light bulb, and then they were given counter information about the Humphrey Davy, who actually demonstrated an electric lamp 70 years ago. Then they were, you know, they would shift their beliefs by a couple of points. And so what it showed the researchers was that when we're presented with information that counters our beliefs, our amygdala starts to fire up and we get scared. Um, and it goes to our identity. It goes to our kind of core cultural um, beliefs. So this is why it is uh, immensely difficult to change someone's mind or well, to even, you know, from my perspective, why try? <laughs> right. But I think, though, if you look at that, what they didn't say, or maybe they did, I didn't read the whole study, I'll be honest. <laughs> but I think what I hear when I, when I hear that is that 
if it is something that is held near and dear to our hearts right now, it's much harder to um, change our belief. But in the past, we're not emotionally invested in the outcome. So we don't care. So it's much easier to change our mind. Like right. that's what I see is, is that. And I think that, you know, to change someone's mind, you've got to address their emotional attachment to what they're believing. And so you have to first try, you know, we first want to discount it, right? And we want to say, oh, you're wrong. But we really have to, all that does is make them feel worse about their current belief. And so. Well, if we think about, you know, the topic that we're always dealing with here, diversity, inclusion, belonging, one the, one of the tenets of inclusion and belonging is to believe, well, not believe, but to listen, to understand. Like that's your first point of entry in trying to come to some sort of a, a relationship, to be in relationship with someone. So if, if what we do with our beliefs constantly is, is say, oh, come on, that's just not true. Or where did you, where did you get such a weird idea? So we, we deny a person's reality. We deny their experience right off the bat. Right. And that's the place where we have access to making change in the way we behave with people, I think. Right. Well, sudden switches for people are, are rare, right? Like, they're, right. no one's going to just change their mind. And even when somebody does seem as though they've just suddenly changed their mind, they haven't. It means they've been thinking about it for a while. They might have been looking at um, different alternatives. They have, um, you know, been exposed to lots of pieces of information that are mm-hmm. consistent with that new belief. And so over time... They've now said, oh, you know what? That does make sense, right? And they've, they've changed. So out externally, it might seem like, oh, they just, you know, turned on a dime. But internally, they've probably been thinking about it for a while. Yeah, and think about the times where <clears throat> you've been having an argument with um, your partner or, and you disagree vehemently about something. And then the next day, you've kind of come to your senses and you say, you know, I'm really sorry about how I reacted. I really actually agree with you. Right. <laughs> right. So we are pretty pliable when, when the temperature has been taken down and, and when we feel we've been heard. Right. So, you know. Well, that's part of what we talk about, right? Be, be heard, be seen, be included. And that being heard part is really, really important. Um, People want to know that they've at least been heard. If they feel that they've been heard, they are much more likely to then reciprocate and listen to your point of view as well. When Mm -hmm. people don't feel as though they have been heard, they will double down and they are, um, you know, that they're going to be much more reluctant to take in anything else because they're so invested in proving that they're correct. Right, right. So, you know, I, I think of the practice and book and coursework around crucial conversations. And one of the tenets in that uh, practice and book is that when, we're, when we perceive we're about to get into a conflict or we actually are starting to engage in it, We go to silence or we go to violence and violence could actually be actual violence, but generally it's yelling at someone, it's disagreeing vehemently, it's folding your arms, it's sitting back, it's scowling. Um, 
And so those are the two sort of automatic places that we go, right? And since we're so conflict avoidant, that silence thing is the thing, of course, generally speaking, and I'm putting quotes around that, that we women tend to do. Um, we'll just clam up. We'll, we'll shut up. And once we're conscious of the fact that we're, we're doing that, I think we have an opportunity then to go, oh, I'm having that reaction. I'm, I, I'm, I'm stuck here. And when, when we get to that spot, it, that's when our opportunity is, it, then when we have an opportunity to say, help me understand what your thinking is here. You know, it's sort of a mediation approach is let me get more information and find out what's important to you. And that learning that I get may help me shift my perspective. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's some really interesting um, pieces around, you know, alternative facts. And I think it was the, um, gosh, American Psychological Association that talked about, you know, where it's not like we, we all have this, this issue, right? This is not like, and I hate to use this, this phrasing, but, you know, stupid people versus people with high IQs. Like we all do this and we, we all will um, find that we are going to be motivated to stick to our beliefs, regardless of what our IQ is or how much schooling we have. And so for those people who love to think, well, I'm so intelligent, I wouldn't fall for this. That's not true, right? We, we all, um, we all fall, fall into this. And well, think about, you know, like I confess I'm liberal uh, um, and I'll read something. Um, <clears throat> my husband calls it, um, let's hear, let, let's listen to what the enemy is saying. And so just think about the number of times you read, I would read, say, a Fox um, story or some publication that I think is fairly right wing, I might get three paragraphs in and go, ah, you know, and, you know, click, click, I'm done with that. Because I'm looking for confirmation of my opinions. Right. Well, and that's exactly it, the confirmation bias. So right. that's why, you know, psychologists have shown that a relatively small set of cognitive biases um, explain a lot about how this, ha this happens to us. And so that's a perfect one is confirmation bias. Um, right. There's another that I was looking up. It's called the availability heuristic, mm -hmm. which is really interesting because, you know, if you ask um, in this example, if the psych, you know, this um, psychological experiment, they ask, well, if you were to say, which is more dangerous, being a police officer or a fisherman, most people would say police officer. Um, and the answer is wrong. The answer is fishermen, because um, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, fishing workers are 10 times more likely than police to be killed on the job. Why is that? Well, because we, it's much more likely that we know someone who's a police officer than we know someone who's a fisherman. And because of the news coverage of um, police officers, that's where the availability of that information exactly. is so high that we are going to believe that much more likely than we would believe that official, you know, yeah. Um, what's that show that was out there? Oh my goodness! Um, oh yeah, that crazy show with uh, <laughs> where they're out and just inclement, terrible weather. Right, and I think yeah. like, I watched a couple episodes and I thought, oh my god, who does this for a living? They guys are <laughs> crazy. This is so like you don't realize the length that people go through to put fish on your table. You know that <laughs> right. really makes uh, makes you want to be a lot more thankful for the food that we that we get. Um, 
but I dig, I dig, I digress a little here, but we're talking about the fact that when our, our beliefs are based in information, you know, the availability of information at our fingertips. Yeah. Well, here we are um, in coronavirus times, and we're now sequestered. We're at home. Um, At this point in time, nobody, at least in where I am in Washington State and you're in California, we aren't to leave our homes except for the absolute essential thing like grocery shopping. Right. I'm still trying to figure out getting my nails done is considered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying okay, to figure joke, that out too. I'm really joking. Please don't send me a bunch of letters telling I me. Know. I know. I want to say, can I get my hair cut? And can, if you wear gloves and I wear a mask and you put, oh, okay. Wow. What a privileged thought, Lisa. Well, my so, hairstylist sent out an email to everyone and she said, I just need you to know that everyone is going to know your true hair color. <laughs> <laughs> these are you know first world problems right they are um, and if you think about like so i have a, a friend in jamaica and i was talking to her today and she said you know what we don't have the state-of-the-art health facilities that other countries do and so we are turning away planes we are turning away cruise ships mm-hmm. you can't get off a plane here unless you are a jamaican citizen and um you know that's just how, how they're doing it and i said oh you know here we are in these times of really needing to build a wall to keep other people out. But, you know, I joke because sometimes, I mean, that, that's my coping mechanism, right? It's right, a, a right. Joke. I, I can't help it. It just it comes out. The more stressed I am, the more I'm going to joke about it. Um, well, it makes me wonder, <clears throat> excuse me, with all this sequestering um, is, you know, going back to confirmation bias that, that well, see, we shouldn't, we we shouldn't mix with people. We shouldn't. We should stay in our own communities. We should stay, um, you know, with our tribe. Anyway, I'd rather be with my tribe than out there in the world, exposed to everything. And it may confirmation bias may show up in more. Mm, well, we're already seeing it. People being rude or saying things to Chinese people um, because of the belief um, that it's a Chinese virus. Right. Um, And even if it did emanate from from China, calling it a Chinese virus absolves everyone else of responsibility. Right. right? So, And that's part of that idea, right? So that's where we have to look at science. And unfortunately, in this current climate, there is a lot of um, competing information right. and it's very hard for people to, to know what is actually science-based and what is uh, is belief-based and um, you know so it, it's very easy I saw that Facebook was starting to um, to delete people's posts uh, because they're spreading too much information and they got a little bit overzealous um, the last couple of days with really cl- cramp, uh, clamping down on what was being allowed to be posted and what wasn't um, and I think that, again, you, you talked about um, people having some accountability at some point. You have to really um, look at the source and understand what it is you're reading. You cannot just read something on the Internet and then say, oh, well, this must be true. Anyone in this day and age who is still doing that needs to have a serious conversation <laughs> about mm-hmm. how information mm-hmm. flows on the Internet. Because it's really important to understand what is the source 
of that information and is it just being spread as an opinion? You know, I was thinking about this visually, graphically, when you read an article and you're interested in the content of the article, but as you scroll through it, very subtly, there's this piece of information that looks like it's part of the article, but it's really not. And it'll take you to some other source that sometimes um, tricks you for right, a moment. Like, wait a minute. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so knowing that we are so susceptible to clicking, to, to um, clicking on some incendiary line or some thought that either conforms or doesn't conform, but we're interested in it, is how marketers, advertisers, political pundits, political lobbyists, whatever, are kind of muddying the water knowing how human beings behave and how knee-jerk we are. Right. So I've had to like, you know, slow myself down when I'm reading and like look around, go, where am I actually? What is this source? You know, just like you said. And and, um, why am I so trigger happy? Well, part of it is, so, you know, we need to, we are in a very polarized political climate. Um, and people have differing opinions about some things. I mean, I my daughter will get mad that I said this. I won't say which one of them it was. Um, but I got into um, almost like a you know a, a, an ar- argument with one of them a few months ago because I can't even remember the content right now. <clears throat> but it was around a fact, and she said to me, "She goes, well, um, why can't you just let me feel how I feel about it?" And I said, because it's a fact, not a feeling. You don't get to have an opinion about this fact. This is a hard fact backed by science. And I don't care how you feel about it. I need you to understand that this is factual. And if you don't like it, that's too bad. But this is a fact. And we were just going back and forth for a while. And I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me right now? What is, who is this child? Like, how are we arguing facts? And so I had to back away and realize, like, because sometimes, you know, when you're communicating with someone who is just really, it's, it's like you said earlier, Lisa, sometimes you get so invested that you have to step away because I know that once we stepped away, she thought about it a little bit and realized I was right. But then we get our ego in there, right? And we don't want to admit that the other person is right. And you make it more and more difficult for a person to admit that you might have a valid point the more you push. So sometimes you have to just put the information out there, put it out from a few different reputable sources, and then back away and let the other person figure that out on their own, you know, and then also not come back later and go, ha ha, I told you so. You know, it's it's interesting too. I was just thinking about like religion and, you know, you could be a Buddhist, you could be a Catholic, a Protestant, a Hindi, you know, there, there are a lot of beliefs and, and different gods. And I'm not a particularly religious person. I might be a little bit more spiritual than, than religious, but I have this deep appreciation for people who have deep faith, right? I don't care what the God is, just the, the, the feeling that that um, engenders in them um, and how devout 
they are. There, there's something about that that's very appealing to me. And and sometimes I wish, well, why why can't I believe that? Well, you know, what's what's missing in me? Um, and I guess what I'm saying, not to pat myself on the back with this at all, but like if we could get to that level of appreciation for something that we have no vested interest in or desire to be like, um, it helps you understand people better. It helps it you. It does. And I think this is where I'm going to say the, I don't know if this would be an unpopular or a popular opinion, but you know, it's an opinion, um, which is that there are some beliefs that are dangerous to society. Right. And we started to have this conversation a while ago. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I will stick with using the coronavirus as an example. Right. So the belief that because I am not sick and because I don't want my day to be interrupted, I should be allowed to go about my business. There are people who believe that. But then right. believing that is putting people at risk and right. is actually causing that's a danger to people. Right. So at what point do we say, okay, you can't have that belief <laughs> because it is dangerous. Do we say you can have the belief, but if there, there's a fact. And so I don't, I don't care what you believe. You still have to comply with these rules and regulations. Or do we say, oh, well, this is a free country and you can believe whatever you want and do whatever you want, right? Like is, there's, is there a difference between belief I, and I think we have stuff? to call that the I am immortal bias, <laughs> Right. (laughs) You know, and really it just, it's the inability to see beyond your nose. And, you know, most of what, listen, everything we're saying, except for the things that we've talked about that are fact, our beliefs and perspectives, that's our whole podcast is full of it, right? You and I are talking about this, this, the subject of belief um, or uh, being opinionated. um, And, it's all colored by our unique beliefs. And so far, you and I don't disagree. So good. We have confirmation bias going on here. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And um, although I, I, we could probably find plenty of things in, right. on, on this topic that we disagree on. Well, and I think an interesting way that you can. So, again, in, in this one, I don't. I'm not an expert, right? I'm not a, I'm not a medical doctor. Um, I do have a couple of friends who are. And so I have been listening to what they say and to what the CDC says. Um, and that's it. Anyone else, I am not listening. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because I'm like, you, when did you go to medical school? When? What? No? Okay. Thank right. you. <laughs> so that's my, 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 my thought on that. <clears throat> well, I think it's very hard speaking of belief. It's very hard. Let's just, I'll speak for myself as an American and a privileged American and a white American, that it's very difficult to believe that we are in the situation we're in. It just seems completely mind-bogglingly. It seems how like did a this dystopian happen? novel. <laughs> yes. And, and also, it's very difficult to imagine this going on for more than a couple more days. Uh, uh, like, wait a minute, until July? How do they know that? November? How do they know that? How do we, how do we, we don't really know. 
Um, and even the scientists are, you know, sort of like gathering evidence and things are changing day by day. But my point is, we have been so spoiled um, by relative ease in this com- country, and I'm t- saying that lightly, relative, um, that it's really hard to believe that we're where we are. And so we go about our day and break the rules, the current rules. Right. Well, and so I think that there's like the, the global scale, right? Where it's like there are these things that really we don't have, we can't change people's minds about it. Only thing we can do is follow rules that have been provided to us. But on a smaller scale, on the micro scale, on our day-to-day, the people we have to work with, the people that, are, heck, we are being quarantined in our house with, let me not use the Q word, I'll say, we've been asked to shelter in place. Um, <laughs> and so um, I think that it is important for us to think about tools for us that we can use to better understand one another and not be at each other's throats, right? And so part of that is when you have someone who's opinionated, we talked about, okay, let's give them the facts, give it in a non-judgmental way, and then back off, right? I would say that's one. Well, these are the facts as I understand them might be. Right. Right, Mm -hmm. a a better approach. Well, and these are the facts from sources, right? They're not my facts. These are the sources and you can let them investigate those sources. So if I want to say this is the source, you know, again, let's use the coronavirus as an example. And I say this is the source from the CDC, from WHO, and from, um, you know, a medical doctor who specializes in um, infectious disease, right? Here are three sources for you. Take that information, do with it as you will. That's not me saying that you're stupid because you don't believe. That's not me saying you need to do this. That's not me doing anything. That's just me saying, hey, here are these sources. And then you back away. <laughs> to be honest, where, this, where the challenge comes for human beings is not so much around facts, but around beliefs, right? And, you know, some of the more difficult ones um, like we were talking about before, having to do with religion, having to do with politics, having to do with race, um, all lives matter, black lives matter, that all of that stuff is where we get into trouble. Right. And I think the first thing, the very adult conscious um, evolved thing to do is to ask yourself, why do I want to be right? Why and 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 first, like, is it important that I engage? Um, um, and if you do, if your first step is to try to convince the other person to believe something different than they currently believe, it will go nowhere. That right. is a pointless endeavor. If you if you first say, "Help me understand why you think all lives matter." I know they do, but help me understand your thinking behind it. Well, so that's what I was going to say about a tool, right? Like, I think um, that, um, and well, not I think, one of the ways to get both sides, it's like going back to debate in high school, right, is that you have to argue the other side. So maybe what, what you could work on is both parties say, okay, I believe A and I believe B. So I need you to explain to me 
what are the reasons you believe in B, in B and what are the benefits, right? And then vice versa. And then let's put those things together because normally people are not trying to be harmful. They are not trying to be spiteful or mean or any of those negative things. So somewhere in there, um, there needs to be, you know, an understanding of we're, we're, we both think that our position is right, you know, to, to your point, Lisa, but we also think that because we think there's a positive in there somewhere. So let's look at both sides of this issue and find those positives and let's see if we can come to an understanding together. Right? And what patience that kind of an approach takes, right? Think about, you know, let's say we're in the workplace someday when we go back there. Um, let's say you're in the workplace and, you know, time and speed and, you know, things are happening at a, at a pretty normal business pace. And we jump to conclusion. Well, you were saying that it takes a lot of patience, right? For both sides to come together. And, but that's what we have to do. I think we need to say, like, we have to start being more, we have to start working together. And, and like, when, when do we get to a point to where patience is something we're not, we, we don't have for our, our, our coworkers? And understanding. Yeah, I, you know, again, I think the emotional, you know, we have to work on ourselves. But usually it, well, let me say, I think the trouble we get into is that we don't engage our patients and we don't engage, um, we don't pause for a moment and get present that we're actually in a conflict or that we're having a disagreement that could have a positive outcome instead of two people taking a stand. So I think in our, in, in, in work, our work as, as people in teams or managers of teams is to recognize the moment as it happens and say, pause yourself. Hey, 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 let's pause. We've got two differing opinions here. So let's see if we can sort out fact from opinion. But let's hear everybody out first. Right. And I feel like we are moving at such a pace most of the time that we think that it's going to be a waste of time to hear each other out. Right. Well, and I think we need to just build those in. So it's like setting expectations up front. So if you're going mm-hmm. to have a meeting where you need to have some discussion, you need to build that into your agenda. Like we are going to have a, instead of a 60 minute meeting, we're going to have a 75 minute meeting. Mm-hmm. And in that meeting, 20 minutes is strictly for us to brainstorm, right? So people don't feel like, oh my goodness, we're wasting all this time. Or if you are just going in and you are the leader and you are just setting the tone and you want to say, look, here's what I've heard. Here's what we has been discussed. And here's what we're going to do. And mm-hmm. I'm not taking discussion. This is a 15 minute meeting because this is just a directive. I don't need us to spend an hour talking about it. That's so important to talk about expectations, because I think that if we do that better, if we do that well, then we avoid some of the conflict that we have. I was thinking about the situation um, where you believe that you deserve a raise and that uh, or a promotion and that uh, it was promised that if you did X, Y and Z by X, Y and Z date, that you would have this, this. This promotion and raise. Well, 
I've seen this happen time after time with my clients where they didn't get clear expectations or they thought they understood the expectation only to learn that they completely misunderstood it by the time, um, you know, the review came around. Right. Okay. Now that could have been a bait and switch situation. Sure. But most of the time it stems from just not getting clarity or trying to be Pollyanna about the promise. Like, oh boy. And not getting clarity. Right. Like, what does this mean, actually? What do you right. mean by this when you say well, I need and to like do that? Said, the, the miscommunication, because that's another thing, is managers aren't trained properly. So they aren't communicating their expectations properly, right? right. They think they were clear in what they said, and the person hearing it thought they were clear in what they understood, but they went off and had two com- very different understandings of that conversation. Well, so there's another tool, which is is to confirm your understanding always con- and multiple times in a conversation where you're making an agreement like that or setting an expectation. Another directive there might be to, like you say, to add time into a meeting so that you're absolutely clear And then, of course, you know, follow it up with something in writing, you know, just want to confirm my understanding of our conversation today, those kinds of tools. Yeah. Um, You know, we trust so much sometimes that we forget, wow, humans being human, we might forget what we meant or forget what we said or agreed to. And we are very fallible. We we don't get things right. We think we do, but we don't. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, definitely. I think... um, you know, this has been an interesting topic for us. And, you know, lucky for us, this, this podcast is, you know, we do it remotely anyway. So we're able to keep going. And um, <laughs> I just want to say for those of you out there that are not able to keep going right now, um, thanks for joining and listening to us. And um, we hope that you'll, you'll be around to listen in next time. You have been listening to Inclusionomics with Lisa Gates and Stacey Gordon. Visit inclusionomics.net to subscribe and download.